It was great to come together and, and worship. And before we dive in today, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Philippians. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, uh, it's pretty far back in the New Testament. If you get to Colossians, you've gone too far. Revelation, way too far. Um, but uh, it's there past Acts and Romans and all that. Uh, but in Philippians chapter 1 today. But before we get there, I want to tell you, give you a couple public service announcements. Uh, we like to celebrate things that are awesome, uh, like baptism today. Uh, Dax, we're excited for you. Looking forward to what God's going to do in your life. But yesterday, um, over in our Family Life Center, we had a great time uh, with our men's ministry. Uh, a bunch of guys get together. Uh, dads with kids, senior adults, everybody in between. It was a lot of fun. We had hamburgers and hot dogs and uh, some awesome banana pudding uh, that someone's wife made. Uh, that's important. Uh, watched a couple of football games. Uh, that small school uh, up near College Station won uh, one of the games we watched. Um, and then USC uh, held on to, to beat Colorado, uh, of course. But it was a great time. And if you didn't know about that event uh, and you're a man, uh, let me encourage you. Earlier you saw a big QR code on the screen. Uh, if you'll click on that and sign up for our e-newsletter, you'll get that information. And, and you'll see what's happening. Or you can just go to our website, uh, firstbaptistfriendswood.org, and you can see all the things that are happening in the life of our church. And speaking of a big thing happening in the life of our church, uh, last Sunday, day, uh, our church members voted uh, to select a worship minister search team. Uh, if you don't know, Dylan is a volunteer, and so is Lauren, uh, and uh, we're looking for, going to be, we're looking for a worship pastor, and so you selected uh, five members to be on that team, and, and those five members are, I want to make sure I get everybody right, uh, Ben Forrester, Matthew Todd, Katie Cummings, Rosalind Miller, and John Gilmore. So if you know some or all those names, or you're thinking about, okay, who did I vote for? How many did I get right? Uh, well, good for you. So those are the five. Those are the five. Uh, and then we have two that are appointed on that committee. One from our personnel committee, uh, that's Devin Kern, and one from our pastor advisory committee, and that's Richard Vaughn. And so those are the seven people that you can be praying for. Uh, we sent those names and photos actually out in our e-newsletter this week. So just catch a theme here. Uh, if you want to stay informed, get the e-newsletter, uh, go on the website, those kind of things. Because when we say it a thousand times... Some of you are hearing it for the very first time. And so we want you to stay informed. Like, hey, on your way out today, pick up a shoebox. I'll say it again at the end to remind you. But those are the things that are happening in the life of our church. We're thrilled about that. We're looking forward to all that God's doing uh, in our midst. And so if you've got your Bible, Philippians chapter 1, and as you're turned there, hopefully already there, uh, you might uh, own a Mercedes-Benz. Um, I don't. Uh, I drive an 01 uh, F250. Um, and that's mostly because I have three boys who have vehicles. Um, and so I drive an 01 F250. They all learn to drive on that so that if they hit you or you hit them, I didn't have to worry about my boys <laughs> in that F250. Uh, and so I drive that. But some of you might have a Mercedes-Benz. And Mercedes is a, is a wonderful, amazing car. But a number of decades ago, uh, they revolutionized car safety. Kind of Mercedes and Volvo, truthfully, are kind of the two companies that revolutionized car safety. But Mercedes-Benz did it with crumple zones. Crumple zones. 
And you're like, what is that? Well, that's, uh, there's a photo of two Mercedes crashing uh, up there. A crumple zone is how the car crumples when you're in an accident. And so they patented the technology to keep the passenger safe and the car would crush in the right way to keep everyone safe. Strangely enough, every other car company since then has mimicked their technology so that people would have the best chance of survival in a serious collision. And even though Mercedes-Benz has a patent on this technology, they've never enforced the patent, losing out on millions and millions and millions of dollars because they wouldn't patent this technology. And so one time, uh, one of their executives was asked, hey, you guys invented this, you have a patent on, on all this technology, why wouldn't you exercise the patent? And the executive said, some things are too important not to share. Some things are too important not to share. Having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi while he's under house arrest or in prison saying every circumstance that I'm in can be used to advance the gospel. Every circumstance. I want you to think about that for a moment. Every circumstance you experience can be used to advance the gospel. You get in a car accident. You have a bad doctor's report. You fail a test. The government almost shuts down. Your family is in disrepair. You just won the state championship. You got a 20% raise. Your house sold after 25 bids over your original asking price. You reconcile with a family member. You have the best vacation ever. Every circumstance can be used to advance the gospel. The challenge for us is that oftentimes we only look at the circumstance. Whether it's bad or good, we only look at the events. And so Paul, as he's in prison, probably under house arrest, which means he's living in his apartment with guards constantly by him. More than likely, there is a guard chained to him. How would you like that? Just think about someone being chained to you all the time. 
hey, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Let's go. Or worse, the guard has to go to the bathroom. Right? We're, okay, uh, in ancient times, they didn't have big king beds like we do. So you're probably laying on the floor next to this guy and you roll over or he rolls over. There goes your shoulder. Rotator cuff surgery. Like think, like guard constantly with him. And not just any old guard, but he says the imperial guard, the praetorian guard. These are elite Roman soldiers. The, the secret service related to the president, they were the bodyguards of Caesar. That's who these guys were. Connected to a man whose crime was talking. That was his crime, was talking. Some of you would be very guilty. (laughs) I would be very guilty. And that's his crime, talking about Jesus. And so here he is. And throughout the day and the night, probably four to six different rotations of those guards would be stationed at his home. And so Paul is sharing with the church at Philippi, the most important thing that he does in life is share the gospel. The most important thing I do is tell people about Jesus Christ. No matter what my circumstances are, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. So my imprisonment is for Christ. Not just because of Christ, but it's for Christ. I just didn't get arrested because I followed Jesus. No, I got arrested so I could tell about Jesus. That's what he believed. That every circumstance was an opportunity for him to share the truth of Jesus Christ. Anything that helps advance the gospel was worth it for Paul. The chains that were meant to hinder him, to to show Caesar's dominance and power over him, he saw as a, a sign of victory because he had lots of time with these men, powerful men, that he could tell the truth of Jesus Christ. Because you imagine, especially the first few days when they're rotating through, a new guard changed the shifts and one gets attached to Paul and he kind of knows what Paul has done, but you know, it's like there's no major crime here. So, so Paul, why am I chained to you? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. And then Paul would go on to say, I'm in chains because I belong to Christ. I serve Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. The one who in humility left the glory of heaven, was born of a woman, lived a perfect life that you and I can't live, Roman soldier. And he died on a cross. Oh, by the way, your cross, a Roman cross. He died on that cross and shed his blood as a payment For all of your failures, all of my failures, all of my sin, all of your sin, his blood shed for that sin, covered it, paid the penalty. And then on the third day, he rose and conquered sin and death so that by faith, you and I may also conquer sin and death. It's the image we get of baptism. 
where we see us going under the water. We're dead to sin and we're alive to Christ. And so he got to share that message time and time and time again. How he was the the perfect Pharisee, the rule follower. Because you know what? Roman soldiers understand following rules. I imagine he used his own life as a testimony of what it meant to be a great rule follower and a person who was lost, who was dying, who was separated from sin. It would help them understand that. And that one day, everyone would recognize Jesus Christ as the Lord of all. And he got to share that story over and over and over again. Every circumstance can be used to advance the gospel. Every circumstance. There was a player for the Seattle Seahawks a number of years ago. His name was Sherman Smith. He was a popular player. But one day, the Seahawks traded him to the San Diego Chargers, and he was pretty frustrated about that. He was upset, and I'm not sure why I'd rather live in San Diego than Seattle. Um, Couldn't afford either one, but if I was a football player, maybe. Um, But San Diego is a wonderful town, you know, beautiful weather all the time, but he was unhappy. He was frustrated and mad about this trade. And to make matters worse, after a few weeks... He had a major knee injury and tore his ACL. And so here he is, traded this new team, can't play, angry, frustrated at God, frustrated at the circumstances. But when he came to the new team, he met another player. Sherman happened to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and this other player was not. And so over the course of, of that time, when Sherman had nothing else to do, he began to share his faith with this young man. And eventually, this young player accepted Christ as his Savior. And after his football career, went on to be a youth evangelist. And as Sherman Smith reflected on his time, he said, I was so angry and mad and frustrated at God that I missed the real reason I went to San Diego. The real reason I went to San Diego was for this guy that I could share my faith with him, he would accept Jesus Christ and he would go on to do great things for the gospel. Sometimes all we can see is the circumstance. And Paul is reminding us to lift our eyes and to see what could be. Who is in the middle of our circumstances that needs the message of Jesus Christ, that needs the love of God? Because Paul didn't focus on the imprisonment. No, he focused on what had been accomplished by his imprisonment. He had been able to share with the imperial guard. And that message got out to the rest of the guard and to probably some people in the household. He says, and all the rest. We're not sure who all the rest is. Maybe all the rest of the guards, all the rest of Caesar's household, all the rest of somebody. But a bunch of people knew the gospel because Paul was imprisoned. And not only that, what else was accomplished? The people who lived in Rome, who followed Jesus, became more confident in their faith. They had no fear. They weren't afraid because before they were afraid. Hello, Paul, like the main guy, is in jail. Like everyone was running a little scared. But because of Paul's boldness with the guard, they were now invigorated to share their faith. They could see beyond the circumstances. 
And that Paul, even himself, he understood that in that circumstance, that he was a little bit more like Jesus. Because as he wrote in a number of other places, one of his desires was to experience the sufferings of Christ so that he could more identify with his Savior. And so here he was, identifying with Christ in an even greater way through his suffering. And so he focuses on that and not, hey, uh, I can't go to the bathroom because I'm attached to a guard or they don't feed me very well or who can sleep or this guy's pretty nice but this guy's mean or they tightened it too tight today, the, the wrist, or they won't even let me step onto the, you know, the welcome mat outside. I have to stay inside the whole time. How am I going to get my vitamin D? That's us. And Paul focuses on what's being accomplished. But strangely enough, in the middle of this amazing paragraph about what God is doing in the midst of a terrible circumstance, he has this little odd few sentences that talk about some other guys in the middle of all this. On the heels of these great statements about the confidence of those who are bold and the truth of Jesus getting out, he mentions these guys who are preaching out of envy and rivalry. That even the folks who have false motives are now emboldened. They don't like Paul. Paul's in a bad spot. They feel like, hey, this is our opportunity. We're going to preach Christ just to make Paul look bad, look worse. Let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that God can use bad motives for good things. He can use bad motives. Because you have these group of people who just want to pour salt on the wound of Paul. It wasn't that they were preaching a false gospel. It's just they didn't like Paul. And so they were proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ even more just to sort of dogpile on him, just to make life more challenging for him, just to make it more difficult for him because they wanted to prove that they were better than him, create more trouble for themselves, more trouble for Paul and honor themselves. You know those people who feel better about themselves when you're losing? We all have some of those folks that we know. When, when, when you're doing terrible, uh, they feel great about themselves, or they'll tell you how great they are just so you feel worse about yourself. Like we have some of those people in our lives, and if you can't think of anyone, pray that it's not you, okay? Uh, <laughs> pray that it's not you. <laughs> if you can't think of anyone, just pray it's not you. It may not be you, but just pray that way. It was as if there was some kind of personal competition in the gospel. There was no competition in the gospel, same reason there's no competition between us and Friendswood Methodist or the Harbor or Clear Creek or Hope Lutheran. Like we all want to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And so let's honor one another. But when there's moments where people have bad motives, God can still use them. Because Paul had one concern and one concern only, only that the gospel would be advanced. That was it. That was his one desire, that the gospel would move forward. The message of Jesus Christ, the one who was born of a virgin, who lived perfectly, a life that you and I couldn't live, who died on the cross, and then three days later rose again to conquer sin and death so that you and I could conquer sin and death. That's the message of the gospel, that God loved you so much 
that he came to die for you and defeat sin and death by resurrecting. And you and I can spend eternity with him forever. And so Paul was excited about the gospel. He was excited about the proclaiming the good news. And you and I need to be excited about proclaiming the good news. It, it doesn't matter how the gospel is proclaimed. I, I remember in seminary, one of my professors, she told us a story uh, of how she, she told us the story of how she became a Christian. She actually became a Christian by watching a TV preacher. And, and if I called this TV preacher's name, he's died. Uh, he, he's dead now. But but you would know it because he was well known for wanting to raise a lot of money, a lot of blessings based on giving, building big things up in a, a state just north of us, <laughs> and, and all this kind of thing. But he preached the gospel, and she received Jesus Christ by watching him on TV. It doesn't matter. When, when someone receives Christ, when we have an opportunity to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ, we need to get excited. And Paul was excited despite his circumstances. He was full of joy. He was full of joy. Because one of the things we don't talk a lot about in this book, particularly in Philippians, is the joy that Paul had for the Philippians. The, the book of Philippians is a lot about joy, but it's also about the gospel. Those are the two central themes of this book, this letter, are, are joy and, and the good news of Jesus Christ. That he does, longs for a relationship with you that you can have by faith. One of his desires in life was to go to Rome. He prayed to go to Rome. Would well, you know where he's writing this letter from? Rome. There's no trick questions ever. Rome. Paul is in the one place that he longed to go to. He made it to Rome. God answered his prayer to go to Rome. Now, was it the way in which he wanted to go to Rome? What, was it the circumstances? Why was it? No, he wasn't visiting the Colosseum. But, it, but he was there. God had answered his prayer to go to Rome so that he could share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of Rome. And what did he get to do? He got to share the love of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers, the peace that God offers to the, perhaps the most important people in all of Rome, the military. He got exactly what he prayed for. And so now that he's there, he is rejoicing because the circumstance didn't matter. It didn't matter. And the fact that there were these goofballs who were preaching the gospel out of envy and rivalry didn't matter. He was excited and rejoicing that Christ was proclaimed. That God in his wisdom knew exactly how to lead Paul, knew exactly where to take Paul, knew exactly how to carry out his purposes in Paul's life, even into prison. And so this morning I want to ask you one very simple question. Which of your circumstances 
are you using to advance the gospel? In your workplace, at school, among your friend group, within your family, what circumstances are you using to advance the gospel? And how excited are you about the good news of Jesus Christ? I would dare say there are times when we're more excited about the Astros clinching the playoffs last night. Exactly. (laughs) It's okay to be excited about that. I I want to be excited about that, right? Just like I want to be excited about the Longhorns beating the Kansas Jayhawks yesterday. Exactly. I celebrated you folks from College Station earlier. <laughs> and our Baylor Bears beat UCF. That's hard for me because I, I used to root for UCF because we lived in Orlando and I have lots of friends there. Uh, so that was a tough one. That was, that was a split decision for us. But see what I mean? We get excited about certain things, but when are we excited about the gospel? We look forward to sell, telling someone, hey, you know what? Life is hard and difficult and challenging. You know what? I'm thrilled. I'm excited. Our Friendswood band got fourth place in a big thing. Clearbrook, I think, got fifth or sixth. Dawson got somewhere in there. All of them finished in the top ten. What a huge accomplishment. What a great thing. That's exciting. I want to be excited for your circumstances. I want to be excited when you have victory. But I want to use that circumstance, that excitement, to say, you know what? God did this, and not just in some kind of like, oh, post-game speech. You know what? I have the ability to do this, and this is simply a tool for me to build relationships with people that I can show the love and the forgiveness and the trust that Jesus has. When I get a terrible report from the doctor, or I have an issue within my family, am I using that as an opportunity to go back to the scripture and, and lean on the truth of God's word. And so which of your circumstances are you using to advance the gospel? I pray you're using every circumstance. Will you bow with me?